Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. We're very glad that you are tuning in with us today. A Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast which is guided for the most part by your questions on the Bible. We're streaming to multiple online platforms. You can send me a little message on those platforms through the chat functions, uh, your questions, and we will throw them at our guests here for them to use God's Word, the Bible, to find the answers to those questions. So it could be a, a verse or passage of Scripture you'd like explain, something that may have confused you, or Christianity as a whole, or Christian living, maybe something you're going through in your life you'd like a biblical perspective, or maybe even other belief systems or contradictions you've heard maybe in the Bible you'd like that uh, talked about. Anything along those lines, as long as it's an honest question, we'd appreciate that, and as long as you know that the Bible is the source of the answers, not our opinions, but as accurately as we can get with the Lord's help to his word and his truth. That's what we're all about here at Reason for Hope. My name is Dave Robson. I am your host today. And like I said, I'll be fielding all those questions on those platforms as they come on in with us today. Once again, Pastor Scott Richards here, who is the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. Yo. You yeah. doing yeah, <laughs> you, you doing good today? I'm doing great. Yeah, you look yeah. good. Well, thank you. Yes, thanks for being here. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I, we couldn't carry on uh, without me. Well, I guess Sean could, but could put up like a, a poster of me at, in the seat. Yeah, we could. We tried, we but no, it didn't really work so well. We, no. Yeah, we yeah. prefer the live version for sure. <laughs> also with us, Sean Richards, Pastor Sean over there. You doing? You doing well? To do, dare I ask, how are you today? Plotting. Plotting, or plotting? Both take the guess <laughs> <laughs> oh always always awkward but we'll move on <laughs> well thank you for being here both of you guys and uh, for your faithfulness there's this ministry it's uh, it's brave what you do you just put yourself out there um to um, answer the questions and we certainly appreciate it and we certainly appreciate you the viewer as well providing your questions as i mentioned we are live with you monday through friday 5 to 6 p.m here mountain standard time in tucson arizona is where we're uh, broadcasting from. It's a ministry and outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. So if you keep that in mind when you're trying to find us, that will help you out. You can go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. Uh, we're streaming live there. If you go to that Watch Live tab, you're welcome to have a little click around our website, especially if you're in the Tucson area and you're looking for somewhere to fellowship. Of course, you're welcome to come and, and check us out. We have three Sunday services and Wednesday evening service. We teach through the Word. We pick a book and teach it verse by verse and that's kind of the style of, of Calvary chapels for the most part um, so if you're looking for again somewhere to worship you're welcome to come and check us out there but so if you follow that watch live tab anytime we're live uh, we stream to this page you can go directly there ccftucson.online.church ccftucson.online.church or follow the link as I mentioned from calvarychristianfellowship.com we're live right now so you'll see the video you can sign in with a username of your choice and that's one way that you can send in the questions you'll see a chat function and i will be there with you receiving your questions when we're offline you'll see a countdown to the next time we will be live and you'll see a schedule of upcoming events as well we're on facebook of course facebook.com ccf tucson or look for calvary christian fellowship of tucson uh, don't forget to like and uh, share and all that good stuff while you're there we'd appreciate that but that's another way you can send in your question in the chat function attached to the video that's streaming live right now on Facebook. We have an app as well. Again, you've guessed it, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store. You can find our app. It's a red background with a white Calvary Chapel Dove logo. And you'll be able to watch us on your mobile device. And we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV as well. So if you head to your channel store, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, 
and download our um, or add our channel I should say and you can watch us there as well there's not really a chat function on those things but you could uh, have us on your big screen and then um, on your mobile device send your question in that way or something like that any combination you would like to try we're on YouTube as well the channel is called a reason for hope a reason for hope right there on YouTube we're live there as we speak um, if you have missed a show or want to recap on something uh, if you go to that live tab right there anytime we've been live it will archive there for you um, automatically so you can recap and our services are on there too so you can check that out and oh I mentioned about YouTube as well if you would wouldn't mind liking and subscribing and clicking on the notification bell and all that good stuff. We'd appreciate that. The notification bell means that you'll just get a little, um, a little sort of poke, a little uh, notification come up. Someone will come to your door. No, not at all. Uh, you'll just get a little ding on your phone or your mobile device. And <laughs> it that'd will, be awesome. Will, yeah. Will, <laughs> <laughs> one of us will come directly to your house. At the midnight. wrong people were gaining influence on their platform, and so they added one more step to make sure that they got fewer views. Yes. Precisely that. Uh, we are also on um, uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's being branded as these days. But if you're on the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, Pastor Scott here is on there. Scott R for H, that's his handle. Scott letter R number four letter H. He posts all kinds of stuff on there, but um, especially uh, uh, commentary on news events and things going on in the world as it pertains to end times and prophecy and things of that nature and some funny things and tomfoolery and shenanigans and all that kind of stuff on Twitter. Improper so. balance. Improper balance, you yeah. You don't want to overdo the tomfoolery without no. some shenanigans. That's right. You yeah. mix it in, it kind of cancels each other out. Yeah. So he, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's a very scientific process yes. that he has yes. mastered. Uh, so follow along with Scott on Twitter. <laughs> Scott R for H there. Um, we're on Rumble as well. We're not live on Rumble, but we post videos at Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. And our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. You can email us there with your question as well anytime. On the radio, if you're joining us on Reach Radio, drive safely, watch out for your blind spot and all that good stuff. But you are listening to the last show we did pre-recorded. Uh, so we're not live with you per se, but if you use that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com, we'll get to that question on our next show and then consider when you're home and, and can join us on one of those other live platforms as well but whatever platform you found us on we're certainly glad you're there do send your questions in your bible questions get them in early and we can try and parcel out the time to answer as many as we can today and that's what we're all about and at this point we always love to pause to pray because of course like i said we don't want it to be our opinions or our own ideas but God himself, God's word, God's truth, and so we need the spirit to do that for him. So, Sean, are you up for praying today? What do you think? Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you that we have the chance to be here. We want to invite you to be here as well, not just in my Father and I's hearts to be able to communicate your word, but all those listening to receive it. We ask that you'd be glorified by this work and that you would see it done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Well, Scott, is there anything you'd like to declare? Sometimes you give us a bit of a a news update, things going on in the world. Well, um, the news uh, update that has literally sucked all the oxygen out of um, 
social media and so on, is that uh, former President Donald Trump was indicted by the Justice Department mm. on four felony counts. The accusation includes conspiracy to commit fraud, tampering with witness statements, conspiracy to prevent an official state procedure, and conspiracy against civil rights. We know as well that uh, he showed up in Washington, D.C. today and was formally arrested on these charges, uh, bailed out. <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better term. Could he afford that? Yeah, I think he probably can. Um, but the, the, the bottom line is, you know, people ask, well, you know, what in the world is going on here? Uh, our good friend Amir Safadi uh, from uh, Behold Israel had an interesting comment uh, about it all. He said this, uh, it is nearly impossible to not see this for what it really is. I was a witness in my own country, as the radical left did all they could to keep Benjamin Netanyahu out of the prime minister's position using bogus charges. The liberals failed in my country. I pray they will fail in the U.S. also. Uh, I think uh, it really is fairly transparent that what we're dealing with here is lawfare. Uh, it was uh, Senator Chuck Schumer who very early on in uh, Donald Trump's uh, first administration warned Donald Trump about taking on what he called the deep state because the deep state can hit you six ways from Sunday, according to Chuck Schumer. Well, Chuck Schumer appears to have uh, prophesied exactly what's going on here. It uh, does appear that they keep throwing uh, charges at Donald Trump, hoping that they will stick. The interesting thing is, every time they do, his poll numbers go up. Mm -hmm. So uh, whether this is going to pay off as a strategy or not, but the parallels between what happened with Benjamin Netanyahu are very, very interesting. And uh, there are some um, speculations out there that uh, one of the things that we're seeing, particularly uh, with judicial reform, Netanyahu gets into office, immediately begins to deal with uh, some of the excesses and abuses that went on in the judicial branch. And uh, immediately uh, you have protests and you have uh, a large number of uh, IDF reservists saying we are not going to serve if uh, this person stays in power, continues to pursue this path. I point that out uh, because I think what we're seeing in Israel is, uh, in a sense, uh, the prologue to uh, what we're going to see in our country as far as how things proceed if, in fact, Donald Trump gets reelected. Uh, I do think you will see protests, and I do think you will see uh, the deep state, so to speak, the unelected bureaucracy in Washington literally throw everything at them in their power. Why? Because they're used to having power. They are used to being the ones in control. They're unelected, unaccountable, and yet uh, they do like the privileges and perks that go with that, uh, that position. So uh, definitely uh, an interesting thing. Israel, in a real way, I think is like the canary in the mine shaft. You know, they used to bring a canary down to be able to uh, determine whether noxious gases uh, were escaping. And if the canary fell over, it meant that the human beings had to get out of there. Uh, I think uh, what we're seeing uh, in Israel, particularly with the conservative-based government of Benjamin Netanyahu and how this is reacted against with quite a bit of organization and funding coming from outside of Israel, I think you'll see the same kind of thing. Why is this significant for us? Well, once again, the question always comes up, why isn't the United States mentioned in biblical prophecy? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the really important reasons, I think, is because if you're going to have a one-world-dominating uh, empire uh, run by the Antichrist, particularly out of Rome, uh, the United States, as it sits right now, is the 800-pound economic and military gorilla on the block, 
has to be removed from that position. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if things uh, continue to move in this direction. A uh, collapse of confidence in the essential pillars of our society is going to continue apace. But, uh, you know, people say, doesn't that, that bother you? Well, as an American, it does bother me. But as a Christian who reads biblical prophecy, we do see in a lot of different areas in the world today the stage being set for the events the Bible describes as the Great Tribulation and what will happen uh, when uh, the old saying is true, two great tragedies in life, not getting what you want and getting it. Uh, there have been people uh, that uh, have uh, begged uh, for the idea of a one-world socialist-based government that is going to happen. They are going to get exactly what they wanted. Uh, there are those who will say that uh, born-again Christians and Bible believers are the ones standing in the way of progress. If only we could eliminate them somehow, they will get what they wanted at the event called the rapture. Uh, so uh, I think uh, looking at these things, uh, as we have said, the United States, why aren't we mentioned in biblical prophecy? Well, uh, one of three possibilities. Number one, uh, we cease to be a world power. Uh, hundred some years ago, uh, the expression was, the sun never set on the British Empire. Uh, but uh, the British Empire lost uh, the gumption to be able to be that world-controlling power, fell by the wayside. The United States may very well go the same way and simply be another, well, toady or, or uh, uh, member of the Antichrist's uh, world-dominating plan. Uh, the other possibility is some kind of limited war or some other disaster takes the United States out before the rapture. Uh, people like Joel Rosenberg have speculated about that in some of their political uh, thrillers. Could happen. Uh, the other uh, possibility, which I would like to believe in, is according to the Barna organization, uh, over 50 million uh, professing evangelical born-again Christians in the United States. Well, say Barna's half right. Imagine what would happen in this country if 25 million people suddenly vanish without a trace. Uh, the United States, I think, would get hit as hard or harder than uh, most first world nations. Definitely, I would say, probably more than most. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we are again seeing things roll in that direction. Uh, the, the fact that uh, we see uh, the continuing lack of confidence in government and so on, uh, a move certainly in that uh, particular direction. Uh, I would like to think that it's going to be the rapture that finally uh, removes the United States as uh, being the block uh, to, say, the, uh, the dreams of the World Economic Federation and the UN and so forth, mm -hmm. to have that one world government. Uh, so wanted to, to pass that along to you. The other thing I wanted to pass along, and, and uh, I just think this is kind of fascinating, is uh, uh, I always check uh, a number of uh, websites before we go on air to make sure that I'm up to date on things. One of the hot trending stories on the Jerusalem Post website caught my eye. It had this headline, Aliens will destroy Earth in a matter of months, TikTok time traveler claims. An alien by the name of, Van, of the Vanguard, that's the <laughs> alien's name, okay. will arrive on Earth to warn the human race of imminent destruction. Uh, the, uh, the article goes on. Uh, to uh, talk about uh, the uh, prophecies that this uh, uh, TikTok creator purporting to be a time traveler uh, in a recent video. So it's a reliable source then. Posted on, on, uh, on the social media platform TikTok. He said, I am a real uh, time traveler and I'm going to tell you how the world will end. Uh, 
the self-professed time traveler goes by the handle of at darkness time traveler. Uh, the account currently has 28 published videos on the platform, each alerting the viewer that the creator is a time traveler and that cataclysmic events are merely months away. Uh, the videos have the same format, a series of texts plastered over animated displays of cosmic vistas. In the latest video, the time traveler writes that on October 3rd, write this one down, uh, October 3rd of this year, an alien by the name of the Vanguard will arrive on Earth to warn the human race of imminent destruction. Mm. The alien known as the Vanguard, according to the TikToker, will arrive ahead of another alien society called the Distance. Isn't that exciting? Uh, the distance destroyed the Vanguard's home, the TikTok time traveler explains. The Vanguard uh, raised home lies 20 light years away from Earth. The distance the TikToker claims are coming to destroy the Earth because for the distance, humans have become too advanced for comfort. Um, that seems rather odd seeing that we haven't even been able to get to Mars yet. Yeah. They're too advanced for but they have, yeah. Uh, the distance reportedly view Earth as their property and have owned it for thousands of years. In fact, the TikToker explains the distance created the pyramids, which they placed on Earth in order to market as theirs. The Vanguard, however, is coming ahead of the distance as the alien does not want others to suffer the same fate his planet suffered. The Vanguard will reach Earth first, first to warn us, and bring 12,000 people to another inhabited planet called Kepler-186f writes the time traveler uh, sounds like that uh, twilight zone to serve man where they finally the canamids said that uh, people could go to visit the canamids planet because it was a big honor and turns out uh, to serve man was a cookbook <laughs> it's a cookbook. spoiler alert yeah anyway uh, i figure since that episode came out in 1962 most people have seen it <laughs> this uh, seems like the bad summary of a subplot in knights of the old republic one well, uh, here we go. Uh, the Vanguard will reach Earth first to warn and bring 12,000 people to this inhabited planet. He goes on to warn the audience to be prepared for the arrival of the Vanguard as the alien's arrival is an opportunity to save the human race. You're one of those 12,000 people, I guess. Uh, Not 144,000? No. Oh. Uh, sorry, mm -hmm. they didn't work that in. Uh, the self-proclaimed Trime Tabler has accrued over 60,000 followers on TikTok. Their videos regularly get hundreds of thousands. Some have received well over a million with an M views. So let us never delude ourselves that there is intelligent life on Earth. Yeah, I think when the, the Vanguard gets here, he's going to find out. He's going to look at TikTok and pretty much conclude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 12,000 aren't worth taking anywhere. I over uh, but, um, estimated a little. The reason I bring this up is... Because it's true? Uh, no, the, the main reason I bring this up is this was one of the lead stories in a uh, respected news source yeah. like the Jerusalem Post. Right. So, <laughs> Why? So uh, I, I have one theory, two words, clickbait. Mm. Certainly drew me in. Yeah, right. I had to yeah. say, why in the world is the Jerusalem Post and talking about it? I did not go on TikTok because I don't want to give all my personal information to the communist Chinese. Thank you very little. Uh, so, uh, you know, why is this an important thing for us to understand? Well, you know, we've seen this trend uh, happening quite a bit of uh, individuals, uh, you know, posting things about aliens, congressional hearings about uh, UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, and so on, uh, those with uh, pretty impressive credentials talking about uh, retro engineering 
uh, crashed alien uh, technology, having uh, bio biologics, they said, of uh, aliens and so forth, really seem to be uh, pushing this particular uh, agenda. A uh, couple possible thoughts about that. Some people, uh, from a prophetic point of view, ask the question, okay, what would unite the entire world under the thrall of the Antichrist? Hmm. What would get all people in all cultures, uh, all points of view, religiously and so forth, to dance to the Antichrist to a tune? Well, you know, the Bible talks about him receiving a mortal head wound, which is miraculously healed. But we are also told that there's going to be some UAP phenomena associated with the Antichrist, if you want to use that term, mm -hmm. uh, in that the false prophet is going to be able to call down fire out of heaven in the presence of the first beast and uh, talk about uh, AI. Uh, they're going to make an image and bring it to life mm -hmm. uh, that will bring in this economic system, cause whoever doesn't worship the beast uh, to be uh, killed and so on. Uh, so, you know, this idea about alien technologies and so forth, or interdimensional craft, yeah. uh, kind of like uh, Indiana Jones and uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, was that the name of it? Yeah. It was such a forgettable film, I have a hard time <laughs> putting all that together. But that, that was the whole gist of it, yeah. in that uh, space monkeys don't come from space, they come from another dimension. Mm. And uh, you could say that they're a spiritual phenomena not a physical one. Mm. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of preparation, a lot of groundwork that's going on here. The other thing that I would say is this, whether it's this headline in the Jerusalem Post, uh, whether it's worrying about the vanguard and the distance and all of this other stuff, uh, bringing all this together, uh, the other thing that uh, can really, in a sense, uh, create havoc uh, as far as uh, the message that Jesus is coming soon. You know, it only stands to reason that if there is a true message about our future, about uh, where planet Earth is going, uh, the one thing that Satan uh, is gonna wanna do is, first of all, he might wanna directly contradict that. Second uh, Peter chapter three talks about uh, where's the promise of his coming for all remains as it was from the first day of creation. This appeal to uniformitarianism that God doesn't intervene in uh, our world, uh, you know, you're, you're crazy to believe this sort of thing. And, and certainly that's one way to write that off. But the other tactic, I think, spiritually, is uh, for the wicked one to not deny, but distract or dilute mm -hmm. or take bits and pieces of this sense that people have that this world in its present form can't continue to go on in the path that it is uh, going down the way, the, the lack of competence in our leaders and so on. People are looking to the heavens, but not heaven, but looking to the heavens maybe for someone like the Vanguard to show up and straighten us out, yeah. at least if you're part of Lucky 12,000. Mm -hmm. They have a lottery for that? Can you go down to the yeah. Circle K and sign up? For that? I don't know. I never but, trust the Xenos. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but the, 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 the bottom line in all of this is that there is, uh, if I'm the wicked one, uh, he is the master of what popular word? Disinformation. Taking something that seems to be true and twisting it a bit. And uh, one of the, the really tragic examples of this is that uh, there are Christian ministries, maybe they're hungry for clicks, maybe they are looking to sell books, but uh, inevitably they bring up this whole idea of blood moons, that at a certain uh, time because of uh, lunar eclipses, 
uh, we can predict when the return of Jesus is all about. And they come up with their different schemes and ideas. Mm -hmm. Wasn't there a, uh, a rehash, a resurfacing of the blood moons theory that just happened this week? Yeah, uh, one of our volunteers at our student ministry, Adam, sent it along to me. Essentially, it's attributing a name that we gave to a certain comet because it made a similar motion through the Virgo constellation and emerging the child came out from the woman and they would basically make a big uproar and to do let me get it here uh, this was shared on Twitter of course says where else are you gonna find this information anymore but the jux of it is on September 23rd 2017 there was that Revelation 12 sign we were very much amused by it but they said on September 15th of this year uh, there's going to be a phenomena where Ceres and Spicia and Arcturus are going to be intersected by this comet called the Child, and uh, it's going to coincide with, of course, the Feast of Trumpets. You can look up asteroid 4580, and, of course, not taking a moment to consider the fact that these are names that we attribute to them and that the term signs in the heavens is in reference to the stuff we read in Revelation 6, not the stuff that they would plaster all over the internet. But the point being made is this, there's always going to be a false teacher out there that's willing to put aside God's word for the sake of a few more followers. And uh, Jesus is coming back 316 apparently is willing to make that exchange. Just don't let that be you. Yeah. Uh, well, so if someone comes and says, uh, we've figured out when Jesus is coming back, this is one of the great uh, sources of Christian disinformation I think you can, can look at. Why? Uh, because if you open a Bible uh, to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, it says, but of that day and hour, referring to the time of Jesus' return, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also would the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, when Jesus said, no man can know the day or the hour, you know, again, I've got a three-year master's degree with an emphasis in biblical languages, and I want to give you an insight into the Greek that, uh, that will really... Uh, blow your minds. When Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, mm -hmm. you know what that means in Greek? What does it mean in Greek? No man knows the day or the Interesting. hour. Interesting. They are saying a woman could know. Oh, man, <laughs> you should write a book. They already did. Oh, okay. So uh, anyway, <laughs> they messaged us on YouTube and then got upset when I told them that they didn't read that passage. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, the, the bottom line is, uh, there's a lot of disinformation out there. But the big question is, why should we believe in biblical prophecy? Mm -hmm. I mean, what makes it any better than the vanguard and the distance and the blood moons and, and uh, the comet going through Virgo and, and so on? Yeah. Well, uh, the wonderful thing about biblical prophecy is, is it can be tested. Uh, God lays down the gauntlet in Isaiah 44 and verse 6. It says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not declared to you from that time? Have I not told you from that time to declare it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no other rock. I know not one. Well, if anybody comes to you with the idea that somehow there's a bunch of gods 
uh, floating around out there, that pretty much puts a fork in that kind of mentality. But God says, here's how you can know. I predict the future. God, who is beyond time, sees the end from the beginning, can tell us about future events. Mm. Because he's all-powerful, he can organize all events that have to take place on planet Earth and in our reality so that these predicted events take place. Fascinating study is to take a look at the Bible's track record predicting an event that we can see fulfilled in history, the first coming of Jesus Christ. Mm. Over 103 Old Testament prophecies fulfilled at Jesus' first appearing. And you can check that out. Uh, fascinating book called Science Speaks by Peter Stoner, a statistician who did an analysis that uh, if Jesus fulfilled just eight of the major messianic prophecies, the odds of one person doing that are one in 10 to the 17th power. That's 10 with 17 zeros after it. It's a big number. That is a huge number. Yep. Uh, if you took 10 to the 17th power silver dollars, you could make a mass large enough to cover the entire state of Texas three feet deep. Wow. Now, try to imagine if someone says, all right, here's the contest. We've marked one of these silver dollars with an X. We've put it somewhere in the state of Texas and we have stirred the whole mass thoroughly. <laughs> we are going to blindfold you and allow you to wander anywhere inside the boundaries of the state of Texas, wading through the three feet of silver dollars. You get one shot at picking that silver dollar. If you get it, you keep the whole thing. Yeah. So you wander around, finally somewhere around Midland, Odessa, uh, you get a little bored with all of it, and uh, you reach down and about halfway down, and lo and behold, you pick the silver dollar. What would people say? That was this thing fixed. is rigged. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, you know, we could say that about biblical prophecy. God rigged the game. He controlled all these events to make sure these things happen. So you know, when people start coming up with uh, these speculative things, don't get taken in. Uh, Jesus said he's coming again. The wise person lives each day as if they could see Jesus face to face because here's a prophecy uh, that, that you can take to the bank. One of two things is going to happen to everybody listening to this broadcast within 100 years. Within 100 years, every person listening to this broadcast today is either going to go to Jesus through the valley of the shadow of death, or Jesus is going to come back for us. But either way, within 100 years, everyone listening to this broadcast is going to see Jesus face to face. Right. So you might as well live like it. Yeah. That's a prediction. You yeah. can take that one to the bank. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I like it. Put it on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, thank um, you. Space monkey, I, I love this one though because it's like the hat trick. You've got space monkeys, which everybody loves. you got time <laughs> travelers, which everybody loves. And then you've got dire predictions that everybody loves. So yeah, that all tend to come out whenever there's another scandal for the current political party. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so the, the triple what, threat. What today. the Jerusalem Post is doing, monkeying around with all this? Yeah. I don't know. Everybody loves I, a I space don't know. monkey. I don't know about that. <laughs> so. Well, we have some questions and uh, <laughs> we bring it on. We, we have yeah, questions. <laughs> questions about that. <laughs> yeah. First of all, how did they they actually spread out all those silver dollars over Texas, let alone go and pick one? But we'll save that for later. But that was uh, the vanguard that did that. <laughs> was he, yeah, was yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> with a big old bunny. <laughs> crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy time. Yeah. Well, a question from uh, the Hebrew ski, uh, talking of uh, Indiana Jones. Do you think that if Israel was to discover the Ark of the Covenant, 
that God would use his power in the ark to fight the invasion in the end times. No. Um, if you want to know <laughs> the whole purpose of the Ark of the Covenant, the reason it was a thing to begin with was, as advertised to Moses, a model of a heavenly reality. And after the incarnation of Jesus of Nazareth, we're told that he's literally that. So if we were to to use the analogy, uh, say, go for the whole aliens deal, um, try to establish some sort of quote-unquote idea of what the aliens were like, we'd want a very advanced model. We'd want the most well-thought-out theory of what an extraterrestrial would be like. We wouldn't go back to, you know, the Twilight Zone canamids and just imagine them all as carbon copies of Lurch from the Adams Family, right? Yeah. Well, if on the other hand we were given an opportunity to understand the power that was in the Ark fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, then going back to the Ark would be foolishness, and that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. The most direct debunking of this kind of mindset, of thinking that we'll have a, you know, was it First Samuel 3, 2.0? Yeah. Them thinking that the Philistines, four. Yeah. Four, yeah. Yeah. the Philistines would be defeated by the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, which by the way, God didn't do that either. He um, <laughs> did some other stuff afterwards, which was hilarious, but we're Don't obviously- Don't mess with the Ark. <laughs> by the way. Lesson to that. <laughs> yeah. Why? And again, let, let's just spoil it all. Why do you not mess with the ark? Because it was a representation of the presence of God. Right. And that's not something that you do lightly. In the book of Hebrews chapter 9, and let me start in verse 6, uh, speaking of the ark, which was brought up in verse 4, it says, Now when these things had been thus prepared, priests always went to the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But unto the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, for the people's sins committed in ignorance. And the Holy Spirit, note this, indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. So already there's a distinction between what Moses had and what we have. What the people of Israel had in the Ark of the Covenant, their manifestation of the presence of God, couldn't hold a Nadab and Abihu burning candle, if you mind the morbid picture, right. to what we have in the presence of Jesus. Why? Verse 9, it was a symbol, uh, it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect or complete in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings, fleshly ordinances, until the time of the Reformation. Verse 11, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all. Sorry, transubstantiation supporters. Having obtained eternal redemption. And then it goes on to note if blood and bulls and goats could accomplish anything, it would have. The fact that God's blood accomplished everything is all that we need. So here's the purpose of the ark. Once a year, 
on Yom Kippur, the once-a-year reference that the author of Hebrews made, the Day of right. Atonement, the blood of a spotless lamb was to be placed on what was called the mercy seat, the solid gold lid of the gold leaf encased box that we know as the Ark. What was in the Ark? Three reminders of the unfaithfulness of Israel. And the, the faithfulness of God. Yeah, the yeah. pot of manna, the broken and revived staff, and of course the broken tablets, the original Ten Commandments. But noting then that interesting theme, what did we say when ultimate fulfillment of these things happened? Jesus said it is finished. What was finished? What the author of Hebrews is describing. The purpose of the ark was to redeem all of Israel from the sins they didn't even know about, but it didn't ultimately forgive them. It only covered them. You can read the whole book for more detail on this. Right. What happened when Jesus entered the actual temple in heaven, the actual Holy of Holies, the presence of the Father, and offered his blood for us on his day of atonement, salvation for all, total redemption for eternity. So when we're asking what the purpose of the ark was, it wasn't to, you know, smite Nazis and give us a preview of what the uh, nations are going to experience at the second coming of Christ only on that weird Gestapo-like guy's face. We're told that it was to redeem entire nations, but that was only a foreshadowing of the redemption Messiah, the true mercy seat, would fulfill for the entire world. So that's the question. Is the purpose of the Ark to win battles, to smite with lightning, to be all big and scary? Maybe no. in Total War Warhammer 2, but in the Bible, in history. <laughs> Coming soon on PlayStation 5. Look yes. up the Ark of Sotek. They actually based it on the Ark of the Covenant. The point being made is this, though. We're talking about... No, Casket of Souls, excuse me. Got to get my fantasy <laughs> right. We're talking about its purpose, and that was redemption. We're talking about its intention, that was to foreshadow Christ. Now we're talking about its fulfillment. And the only one who's going to come, by the way, to the defense of Israel is their king. When they cry out, the one whom they pierced has been only son, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's the one who fights their battles. So is the true ark going to be restored to Israel? Yes, but it's not a box. It's a man, the man Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Um, as far as uh, who's going to fight for Israel, uh, pretty clear. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 3 says that the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half towards the south. Uh, then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. Uh, there is uh, nothing in that passage that indicates that Jesus would use the Ark of the Covenant uh, in such a manner. In fact, the only uh, example uh, citing of the Ark of the Covenant that we find in the scripture uh, is uh, in Revelation chapter 10, we see it in the heavenly sanctuary. So uh, I don't believe it's coming back with Jesus. I think Jesus can handle things just fine without uh, kind of a Spielberg-esque uh, special yep. effects CGI uh, demonstration. So Yeah, very good. Oh. Very good. Well, thank you for that question. A quick, um, we got lots of good questions here, so a quick follow-up on this uh, do those in heaven know the day and hour of his return now they're in heaven like jesus um 
two theories on that. First, how time works in heaven, and secondly, what Jesus meant by, especially in Acts 1, it's not for you to know the things which the Father has put in his own authority. Right. Uh, first of all, when we're talking about people in heaven having perfected knowledge, we're not saying they now know everything. Uh, omniscience and perfect are two different things. Mm -hmm. Secondly, when we're talking about the theory, um, the idea of them being able to know the day or the hour would be appropriate if you have the view of heaven that it's on an entirely different timeline than us, that we're all, in a sense, regardless of whether it's at the end of the tribulation, at the time of the rapture, or at the time of, uh, say, for example, Cain getting murdered by, or Abel being murdered by Cain, all are entering into eternity from the earthly timeline. Now, that gets into A and B theories of space, matter, and time, and how they interact with each other. It's not worth talking about. If you ask, we can maybe tie it into the Bible somehow, but the point of emphasis is the only way that would be appropriate is if we're all entering into that, leaving this world and everything that it will involve behind. We'll have total knowledge of the events of human history, but it be entering into something else entirely. Not biblical, it's a theory. Note that. The second issue is, okay, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 notes that when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Then it notes describing the perfected state, being perfected in knowledge, no. love. love, right? I will know just as I am known. And that's the point. That's what will be perfected in us. So when people are asking, you know, what does perfect knowledge look like? The best, I think, biblical illustration of it, first of all, was Jesus, but also of Adam before the fall. They limited themselves from certain things because they didn't know life apart from a relationship with God. They were simple in terms of evil, but wise concerning things that pertain to God. Uh, he was competent enough to not only manage, but speciate and identify the differences between the entire animal kingdom. I'd say he had a purpose in that, and he knew botany, he could tend a garden. But as far as what we need to know and what we won't know and what we could know, it's all going to tie into our relationship with God. We'll have access to all knowledge, the one who knows all things, but for us to then say, oh, uh, well, I'm in heaven now, God, can you tell me the day or the hour? And that's what brings us to the third point. <laughs> The reason why Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, not the angels of heaven, not even the Son, but the Father only. There's two opinions people have as far as knows, meaning it's not in their right to reveal or it's not in their pay grade to comprehend. Mm -hmm. Now, since Jesus is identified after his resurrection by the Apostle Peter in John chapter 21, rightly, as saying, Lord, you know all things, right. and before mm -hmm his resurrection, where at the Last Supper he says, Lord, you know all things. We know you know all things. Now you speak to us plainly, noting right. that point. He's identified both before and after his resurrection as being omniscient, or divine trait, by the way. But that's the whole point of emphasis, is did Jesus not know those things? Well, note after the resurrection in Acts chapter 1, where they said, will you now restore to us the kingdom? And Jesus said, it is not for you. Right. to know what the Father's put in his own me, authority. But for you. And that's the point. Yeah. If Jesus knew all things, that would include those things, but he was here to reveal certain things. It's the same reason why, for example, Jesus didn't demonstrate a miracle on record of someone, say, regenerating a limb. The things that he did 
were put in his authority. Why? To reveal the glory of the Father, not just to show off every possible alteration or intrusion on the laws of nature, right? right? So when Jesus was revealing truth, he wasn't showing off. He was doing things intentionally. When Jesus was performing miracles, he wasn't showing off. He was doing things intentionally. When Jesus withheld information, it's because it was in conflict with that common theme, that this was not relevant right. to his earthly ministry. So when that knowledge was withheld from us, ultimately, as we read in Acts, it was also the reason why Jesus withheld, this is the second theory, the knowledge from himself and his human nature. In his divine nature, he was omniscient. In his human nature, they believe he was limited from what he didn't need to know, just like with Adam being limited from evil. Not because he couldn't know, he learned really quickly when he ate the tree. Mm or the fruit from the tree, yeah. but it'd be weird if he ate the bark on the tree, but <laughs> who knows what we're up to at this point. On the other hand, Jesus being withheld from knowledge or just withholding knowledge because it was fitting the Father's purposes or not, that's the difference. Now, both theories are valid because neither are necessarily in direct conflict with Scripture. They have weight, but the point of emphasis is when we're asked in the heavenly state, do they then know the day or the hour? Well, once again, it's not going to be relevant to us, so why speculate? Why waste time on a topic that doesn't have a meaningful or useful answer? Yeah. Yep. Great. Thank you for that. Thank you for that question. I have a question from Joe. Joe. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the show, Joe. Uh, have dominion over the earth. How do we rule over the earth without being God? God made us co-heirs and rulers. What does this mean? Also, do animals view us as God the same way we view God, like a worm can't fully comprehend a human, we can't fully comprehend God. I think my, my dog thinks I'm God, but how do we rule over the earth without being like gods ourselves? How does that work? Well, I think like uh, anything else that we do in the Christian life, it's not something we do for God. It's something that God does through his spirit through us. Right. Uh, the fact that uh, God did give the authority to exercise dominion over the creation uh, was affected by the fall. Uh, the fact that uh, at one point we did have that kind of authority and dominion over uh, the entire animal kingdom. But uh, nowadays, uh, boy, watch Shark Week. Apparently the sharks didn't get that memo uh, about uh, human <laughs> beings being gods and we should leave them alone. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, the poor trainer. I have who, dominion over you. The, the poor trainer who uh, got a little too friendly with the uh, orca. Yeah. Uh, you know, at SeaWorld, uh, found out about that as well. Yes. Uh, Killer whale, not cuddle whale. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. It's know. all in the name. And, and by the way, more people are killed by hippopotamuses, hippopotami, yeah. Yeah. on a yearly basis than Hippos. sharks. So they yeah. didn't get the memo either. They're vicious, yeah. But uh, we live in a fallen world. All creation mm -hmm. groans together uh, until now, uh, anticipating the uh, revelation of the sons of God. In other words, there's going to be a time when God writes this world gone wrong, but sin has done a number on this sort of thing. So, you know, as far as how animals look at us, uh, it's kind of like how we, in a sense, look at God. Uh, we get some things about God, but obviously we don't understand everything about God. Uh, do animals worship human beings? Um, you, know, I, you know, getting back to the opening theme, of space monkeys, uh, I uh, heard a, I think it was a comedian say that if uh, space aliens were to take a look at uh, humanity, at least around here, they would conclude that dogs are the dominant species 
because uh, their owners cater to their every whim and even pick up their poop. So, uh, yeah, there, there you go. I don't know. Yep. I don't know about that. Uh, if you've ever been around a cat, the idea of them being worshipful towards human beings that goes right out yeah. the door as well. So, you know, the the, the bottom line is this: uh, all creation will one day uh, worship God. All creation will be, uh, in a sense, returned to a a very different form than the way we experience it right now with predation, nature, red and fang and claw. Uh, the book of Isaiah chapter 11 talks about how uh, predatory beasts and uh, uh, base level consumers mm. are gonna lie, lie down to, to each other. That uh, a child is gonna put his hand in a viper's nest and it won't hurt or harm mm. uh, in all of God's holy mountain. Uh, sometimes people will say, well, I believe that the kingdom of God has already come. Uh, mm -hmm. My challenge to that is, okay, put your hand in a nest full of rattlesnakes and get back to me on that. Uh, definitely, we still live in a fallen world. Yep. And, and that's really what's involved here. Does that mean that we should completely abrogate our idea of being stewards over the earth? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, from that echo of Eden, if you want to use that term, mm -hmm. we as Christians, more than anyone else, have a theological conviction and a basis for that conviction in terms of how we relate to God's creation. We don't look at it as something to be exploited. It is to be stewarded. Yep. We respect the creation because we respect the work of the creator. Yep. We don't want to mess it up or abuse it. We want to be found uh, effectually using it in the purposes in which God intended. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you don't have that basis, if you're an evolutionist, well, you know, survival of the fittest. That's the driving force of evolution, right. which also includes the lack of survival of the unfit. Yep. Why should I be worried about saving the whales? If the whales can't keep up, then they should be exterminated because they're unfit right. or less fit, if you will. Yep. And, and you bring that up to somebody who's an evolutionist, uh, they, they look at you like, oh my gosh, you're, you're, how could you possibly say that? But <laughs> you say, okay, give me the basis for all of that. Show me where I'm wrong. And at that point, they start calling you names. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the, the bottom line, though, is this. Unless there is a creator, and unless we respect his work, then we don't have a consistent reason for picking up trash or preserving the ecology right. or not carving our name in some you know, wonderful rock far formation or something like yeah. that. But if we do, well, then all bets are off. Yeah, that's true. True, true. Very good question. Thank you, Joe. I hope that uh, helps you out with that. Question from uh, Yari. Man, the time's getting away from us today. It gets uh, quicker and quicker every time, it seems. Question from Yari. In Ezekiel 34:11, it says, I myself will search for my sheep. How does going to all the world and preaching the gospel work simultaneously with this when God says, I myself will search for my sheep? This kind of kicks into the whole, um, you know, predestination and... Uh, free will yeah God I, himself in, in, in a sense but uh i i don't even really think you have to go that deep mm. um for instance uh in john chapter 10 and verse 11 jesus said i am the good shepherd the shepherd gives his life for the sheep and yet over in first peter chapter 5 uh we are told in verse 2 shepherd the flock of god which is among you serving as overseers so is peter contradicting what jesus said in john chapter 10 if mm. jesus is the shepherd of the sheep why does he need Peter to exhort people to shepherd the flock? Because God does his work in and through yeah. his people. Yeah, like you said uh, the, the last question. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Great Commission, right? Uh, 
Right. Um, you know, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him first. But that doesn't abrogate what he said in Matthew 28, 18. Uh, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Lord is the one who draws people to himself, but he uses us as human beings to do it. It's not an either or, it's a both man. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. 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 Great. Moving on, unless you have anything to add, Sean? No. Great. Uh, well, Yari, thank you. Hope that helps you out with that question. Question from Talon. How do you allow God to revitalize you? And is that always his will? to revitalize us. I'm sure we could all use some of that. Same way you get anything from God, you ask, but with the right heart and attitude. Uh, an example of a guy who needed revitalization from God probably went about it the way, rather God directed him the kind of way that you probably wouldn't expect. It was Elijah. Uh, after the incident at Mount Carmel and uh, the hit that Jezebel put out on his head for basically uh, killing all of her serial killers for hire, they uh, rather uh, bummed him out and he said I just rather would die he was completely drained of motivation or hope and oddly enough what did God do he told him to sleep and eat something mm -hmm. you want to be revitalized start with the things he naturally designed you to do yeah. and uh, the like second that. way of course is to fall back on the promises that you already have because oftentimes when we exhaust ourselves it's because we're concerning ourselves with things that just aren't worth the hill of beans to use the ancient vernacular uh, the third way again like I said you have not because you ask not James chapter 1 and you ask but don't receive because you want to spend on your desires if you want motivation and you need motivation from a supernatural source, the best place to go is A, to God, but B, to include with it the caveat, God, give me the heart, the attitude, the joy, the energy to accomplish your will in my yeah. life. And I don't think he's going to shake his head and turn you away. But just start with the you know classic HALT principle. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you can solve two of those things in the acronym, or three of those things in the acronym, with stuff that uh, we oftentimes neglect in the cell phone culture. Eat something... <laughs> rest yeah those things can go a long way as well yeah. scripture gives you permission absolutely yeah you know i mean a couple things uh, you know jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god mm -hmm. he said that uh coming off 40 days without food yeah <laughs> I, mean, I go 40 minutes without food i get a little yeah. hypoglycemic mm -hmm. just imagine but uh, Jesus said that one of the ways that we renew and revitalize ourselves is by taking in that bread of life, mm. the Word of God. You know, we uh, use the analogy sometimes in messages here. If we fed our spiritual, our physical bodies the way we feed our spiritual bodies, sometimes I think we'd be pretty poor specimens. Mm. You know, and talk about uh, someone going to one of those all-you-can-stand uh, uh, buffets yeah. on Sunday and just eating constantly for five hours and you know everything they possibly could you go wow why are you doing that well i'm not going to eat again until next sunday and i'm going to be really hungry yeah. probably by thursday well if you fed your body like that like uh, going to church and getting a good spiritual meal through yep. the word being shared but you're not in the word throughout the week or maybe even several times a day uh you're going to be a little out of sorts yep. spiritually yep. Uh, you know jesus also said if anyone's thirsty let him come to me and drink for the one who believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water uh, i can tell you from my career in uh, distance running and trail running you get uh, a little dehydrated out there mm -hmm. you're going to feel pretty crummy yeah. uh, you know I, I talk to people about the drinking fountain at sabino canyon at the visitor center there because there have been times where i have just bit off more than i could chew on a run 
uh, got back to that and man, that water tasted so great. I tell people, oh, you gotta try the water at the drinking fountain. It's, man, and they go, well, it's kind of lukewarm and yucky. But when you are on the edge of heat stroke, that kind of water really, <laughs> really tastes good. Yes. Uh, in, in the same way, sometimes when we find ourselves spiritually tapped out, we simply need to ask for that coming upon power of the Spirit. You know, again, Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, Jesus said, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So feeling out of sorts, get in the Word, Mm. by faith ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the other thing is, get around other believers who can encourage you. Yeah. It'd be a good thing. That's good. That's good. Quick one-minute question from Crystallized Coyote. Oh, oh, no. With your permission, could I uh, end this broadcast with a real quick prayer? Absolutely. Permission granted, please. All right. Dad, thank you that you've done a work in my father's life these last 65 years. You've called him out of so much and made him not only a recipient of your grace, but a regular conduit to all of us. And so on behalf of Bo, Dave, Peter, myself, all those that you've entrusted under his stewardship and care, we're thankful that you've put in our lives a man that would not only be used in such a way to model your heart so effectively as a father to me, but also as a spiritual leader and a model of you as the good shepherd to all of us so readily. Continue to do a work in his life and thank you that we can all benefit from it. We glorify you as a result of the work you're doing in his life and ask that it would continue in Jesus name. Mm. Amen. 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 Good call. Yeah. Your birthday tomorrow, huh? Yes. Yes. Or on reach radio today. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. I just, I mean, it seemed like yesterday it was your last birthday. It kind of speeds up as you get older. I know that for myself. Yeah, my last yeah. birthday was my Beatles birthday. Yeah. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Yeah. But this one's even more traumatic because I qualify for Social Security. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I live in an active adult retirement community and I get Social Security. <laughs> it's the, what like, happened? You were there. How did this happen? You have, you have arrived. Yeah. yeah that's Not it. to mention how big this guy is. I remember holding him like a little football at one point. Oh, I know. I can I still do that, but other things would happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it must be a blessing to see your, your kids and see your son, Sean, over here following in your footsteps or, or rather the Lord's in teaching his word and all oh, that yeah. good stuff. And, and, and our daughter, Sarah, she's just knocking it out as far as her career goes right now. Yeah. We're really, really blessed by yeah. her. Yeah. you got so. great kids for yeah. sure. But, well, that's all the time we have. Good call, Sean. And a wife, too. Don't yes, wife. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Today? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see yeah. you next time. Thanks and for being And my mom. I show. couldn't have done it without her. <laughs> you covered it. You covered right. it. <laughs> God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.